Second Peter chapter 3. Our topic now for several weeks has been about heaven. Is it real or some kind of far-fetched dream? How many know heaven is real tonight? Amen. Now, we, we, uh, we'll be referring back to Revelation 21 in a little while, but uh, that's where we originally began, where uh, John saw a new heaven and a new earth coming down out of heaven. But tonight I want to open again with Second Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. Peter says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall meet with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt <clears throat> with a fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. I find it kind of interesting today in our culture, and it's probably been true throughout the generations. If you ask the average man on the street and you interview 10, 20 people, and you ask them about the afterlife, how many different opinions are you going to get? 10 or 20. And some of the ideas they come up with is amazing, okay? And I thought about what Peter wrote here in this letter, and he talks about some things that I think, well, I know. Let me rephrase that. Peter is absolutely sure about. But I remind you that Peter is not getting this from himself. In fact, he reminds us <clears throat> that God's word does not come from a private interpretation. But God's word came from men who were born along by the Holy Spirit. So when I read what Peter writes, I have to understand this is not just Peter's idea. God has revealed it to him. We spent several weeks looking uh, at what we call the history of heaven. We took a little bit of time, the story of the rich man and Lazarus, and we talked about things about where it might be or how it, what it consisted of. There might be two compartments. We talked about all of that. But I do want to remind you, with all we talked about, we cannot be dogmatic about our view on paradise, on Abraham's bosom, because there's different aspects about that, and the Bible is not clear on that subject. But there are a few things we know for sure. And folks, I am so glad from Scripture things we can know. Amen? We don't need to guess. We don't need somebody else's opinion. We can go to God's Word. So what we know for sure, number one, there is a place of comfort for those who die in the Lord. How many know that's true? Amen. For eternity. Second of all, as sure as there is a place of comfort, there's a place of torment for those who die without the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And the third thing we know for sure is that either place, if you go 
that place of comfort, we call it heaven. The place of eternal torment, Hades or hell, Gehenna. Both places are forever. They are for eternity. So even though we can't be sure about some things with regard to these matters, those are some things that we can be sure of. Now, by the way, uh, the day of the Lord, Peter said the day of the Lord is going to come. How many know what that means? It's going to come. Now, there have always been scoffers. There were in Peter's day. <clears throat> there are in our day. Who say, well, you've been preaching that for many, many years. But folks, you can mark it down, write it down. The day of the Lord is going to come. Jesus spoke about it in Matthew 24. He also spoke about it in Revelation chapter 3, verse 3, as he was giving John a letter to the right of the churches. He spoke of them again in Revelation 16, verse 15. But here's what we need to understand. The day of the Lord is coming. It's coming. It could be tonight. It may not be, but it could be. But regardless, God, the day of the Lord, it is coming. And the second, the return of Christ, his second coming is going to be swift. It's going to be sudden. It's going to be unexpected. And folks, for those who are outside of Christ, who've never been born again, it is going to be a horrible time. A horrible day. But thank God for those of us who know Jesus Christ, it will be a day of great joy. We'll be glad to see the Lord come. But make sure we understand, and Peter's very clear about this, no matter how long it might take, no matter how many years or centuries may pass, Peter says the day of the Lord is going to come, and it will come unexpectedly. So Peter said, in light of that, Knowing that that is a fact, it's going to happen. Peter said, we ought to live every day of our lives as though Jesus Christ could return at any moment. And folks, that's why I'm preaching about holiness for the church today. Because as Christians, you and I, we need to be morally clean and spiritually awake. Jesus could come. He could come at any time. But also understand, I, I mentioned this several weeks ago, I believe, uh, we didn't run a lot of reference scriptures, but there, even in the Old Testament, when the Bible speaks about the day of the Lord, it is going to be a day of judgment, and it will be a day of destruction. Because Peter says, the heavens are going to pass away with a great noise, the elements are going to melt with a fervent heat, the earth and everything in it is going to be burned up, and that's exactly what the day of the Lord will be like. Now, notice three events about three aspects of this day of the Lord. Number one, the heavens are going to disappear with a great noise. Number two, the elements will melt with a fervent heat. Number three, everything in the earth and everything in it is going to be burned up. Now, by the way, that phrase is a little bit difficult to interpret. And there have been different readings and Possibilities of what that could mean. Uh, the, the Greek words have been interpreted different ways. It could mean the earth disappearing. The earth literally burning up. It could mean being laid bare. Uh, it could mean that all the works that people have counted on this earth in place of God will be revealed for their, how empty they are. 
But we need to understand what Peter is saying. This earth that we know now is not going to last forever. Uh, just a thought here. I'll be thinking about what Peter's writing. Did anybody see the rainbow Thursday morning? Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a, a, a more brilliant rainbow. I was driving out to my dad's. It was probably about, I don't know, uh, 8 or 8.30 in the morning. And I was leaving Batavia, uh, going south on 222, getting ready to turn up on 132. And where I was at, it was drizzling a little bit of rain, but just to the right, the sun was beaming through. And I looked over, and I saw the brightest, most brilliant rainbow. I didn't see the pot of gold. I saw the rainbow. And I could see it from, you know, almost one end to the other. And just below that was almost like a silhouette, a dimmer version. And I thought, what a God. A God who gave us a promise that he would never destroy this earth by water again. And folks, that is true. God's going to keep his word. He's going to keep it. Now, by the way, uh, I don't know how many are on next door. I, uh, I signed up that several years ago. And I saw several pictures of that rainbow. Not in the, in the same uh, place I saw it from, but, but I couldn't help it. I copied and pasted Genesis about God placing a rainbow in the sky. I think people need to know why it's there. But it's a promise that God made. And folks, I assure you, God is going to keep that promise. However, the Bible says, and Peter talks about that, it's also prophesied in the Old Testament as well, there's going to come a day when God is going to destroy this earth by fire. And again, however you want to take that, that's fine. But God is going to destroy this earth. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11, look at our response. Peter says, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you be in all holy conversation and godliness? I want you to realize something, folks. I am thankful for the grace of God. I am thankful it's by grace through faith, and that faith is even not my own. God gives it to us, that we're saved, not by our works. But Paul also told the church of Corinth to examine yourselves. And we need to examine ourselves often. Examine ourselves closely to make sure that our lives are meeting up to the standards of God's word. Because the great news is, while this, wor this world, this earth we live on, the heavens will be destroyed, those who are born again will live on for eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. And because that is true, Peter says we don't have to be afraid. If you're a child of God, we don't have to be afraid of the day of the Lord. Peter says the fact of the matter is we can look forward to that day because that's the day when God's going to come, Christ is going to come, and usher us home for eternity. To be with him forever and ever and ever and ever. So this world is going to change. I mentioned a little while ago, uh, we're not going to read all the verses, but in Isaiah 55, uh, verse uh, 
17, God prophesies about that uh, several hundred years before Christ, uh, before Christ, Isaiah prophesied that 700 years before that, about a new heaven, a new earth. Uh, let's, let's read Revelation 21, verses 1 and 2. John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more seed. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God, out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. First of all, I think it's clear what John says that he saw. He saw a new heaven, and he saw a new earth. He also saw a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. I believe the Bible teaches that this earth didn't just happen to explode into existence. I don't believe that we evolved over years. I don't believe it began with a, bang, a big bang theory, uh, theory, if you will, or whatever you want to call that. I believe that creation was a definite act of God's creative power. A definite act of God's creative power. But I also want you to realize this new heaven, this new earth that John sees, this new Jerusalem is also a definite act of God's creative power. A definite act of His power. God will call into being one day a brand new heaven. God will call into being a brand new earth. The same way He did for the first heaven and the first earth. God designed it in the very beginning to display His program, to display His glory for the whole universe. But the bottom line is, we know what happened when Adam and Eve sinned. And I'm so glad for the grace of God because He didn't destroy them and start over. He gave us a way out through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now remember what happened in the garden didn't surprise God. It didn't catch him off guard. But understand, since that time, God's program has continued to move toward the day. And it's going to come when there will be a new heaven and there will be a new earth. And my friend, that new heaven and that new earth, that new Jerusalem, is going to declare the glory of God. God's glory is going to be declared, but also declare the sovereign rule of the Almighty. Also know, this new heaven and this new earth is exclusive. It's only for prepared people. Now, I'd like to think about it as a gated community. Amen. I've never been wealthy enough to live in one of those. Uh, Brother Marvin, he's probably home by now, but he spent the weekend in a gated community, not like we like to think about. And I've been praying all day. They had great success in that ministry. I know those, those fellows pray about that. But, but heaven is for God's people only, for those who have faith. Saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's exclusive for those who have been made holy by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It is for God's people only. 
We sang that song a moment ago, He Set Me Free. Folks, that said it will be really free. There'll be no more sin, no more heartache. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. So when that begins, when the world that we live in now is dissolved, and the heavens, think about the atmosphere, if you will, and the star, starry heavens are burned up, there will be a new heaven, and there will be a new earth, and that will bring into transition what we know as eternity or the eternal state. And my friend, it will never be destroyed. Not ever. In Revelation 22, verse 5, John says, or God says to John, there shall be no night there. And they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light. They shall reign how long? Forever and ever. Folks, that's eternity. Some years ago at the retreat, I'm not sure if Jeremy and Jesse, I think it might have been, but uh, the preacher got that first service. He said, fellas, did you realize everybody gets to heaven the same day? And we kind of had a puzzled look on our faces. And he said, it has to be the same day. There's no night there. And there is no night there. There's no darkness there. And so, you know, John reveals that to us in Revelation. It's totally different than we know now. Completely different. The restrictions we have here today in this world are gone in that new heaven and the new earth. Second Peter 3.13. Peter says, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven, new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. I'm looking forward to that, folks. I thank God that we have a place in the heavens. I thank God that when this earthly tabernacle dissolves, we've got a house made by the hands of God. I thank the Lord when I'm absent from this body, I will be present with the Lord. A promise we have from the very word of God. And Peter says this is our ultimate hope. Knowing without a doubt that there's a new heaven, a new earth, and only righteous people are going to be there. Thank God for that. I want to spend the rest of our time tonight looking at this new Jerusalem. Go back again to Revelation 21. Let's read the first two verses again. John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. Certainly been a lot of study on these verses through the years. A lot of different ideas about heaven coming down and the new Jerusalem. But one thing I know for sure about this text tonight as John watched this new heaven and a new earth, he also saw a new city. Now think about that. The holy city, John says, the new Jerusalem descends out of heaven from God. And this new Jerusalem that John writes about, this new Jerusalem that John watched coming down out of heaven, is where God lives among his people. 
God became a man through Jesus Christ. And he lived among sinful people in a broken world. And John said he came to his own. And his own received him not. They rejected him. There's coming a day. At the end of time for this world. God will come down. To his new heaven. And his new earth. And God is going to dwell. With a renewed people. (laughs) He will be our God. And we will be his children. Some years ago, I don't know if Jeremy remembers it or not, but he preached on the tabernacle. And i got to tell you, it's not always easy to read through all the different furnishings. But Jeremy, you mentioned even the poles. They had to be sitting in, in, in I call it for like, like a base if you're a, or a base of some kind. You know why? Why, Jeremy? They couldn't touch the earth. It couldn't be defiled by touching the earth. But in this new heaven, on this new earth, God's going to come down. And he is going to tabernacle among us. Why? It's a place of righteousness. Glory to God. It is a place of righteousness. We see here in Revelation that this new, this city is called the New Jerusalem. And I think it's safe to say, since it's called the New Jerusalem, is an indication of a relationship with the old Jerusalem. Now think about that. The old Jerusalem was the capital of Israel. But the old creation had been corrupted by sin. And the old Jerusalem had been the city where the prophets were killed. And even the city where Jesus Christ was crucified. Now I know he was crucified outside the city, but he was condemned in that city. And that's not what God intended originally for that city. But John says, I saw a new Jerusalem. Not corrupt. One without sin. A place where God's people will live with God. Now how many know the old Jerusalem, the one that exists now, has broken the heart of God. I mean, didn't Jesus lament over it? In fact, in Matthew 23, he cried, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killed the prophets and stoned them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Wow. It broke the heart of God. 
Without a doubt, the Old Testament is filled with rich promises for the future restoration of Israel, God's people. And this new Jerusalem is going to be God's dwelling place among his people. And by the way, God's people include all believers. Amen? All believers. We're going to live in this magnificent city that John describes as a bride adorned for her husband, pure and radiant. I can't imagine the sight that John saw. And this bride is coming down. She's ready to join the one she loves. Amen. What a glorious time that's going to be. God's people, the church. And the Bible describes the bride making herself ready for the marriage feast. It'll take place here in the New Jerusalem. It's also described again there as a bride. Now I realize there's a debate, and I'm not going to argue this. Is Jerusalem an actual city or symbolic of the community of God's people? I don't know for sure about that. But we are certain there will be relationships in the new Jerusalem. The first between God and his people, and there will be relationships also among the people of God. Now, there's an idea that maybe you had in your mind in years past. Get rid of that idea. Heaven is not a bunch of people floating around on clouds. Amen. In their own fluffy clouds. That didn't happen. God's people. Now, by the way, I think this is a... For you and I, church is practice. Amen? Because we're not going to be floating around on individual clouds. We are going to corporately come together to worship God. And it's going to be such a beautiful time. There are no words to describe what a glorious time that is going to be. I think I can speak for all of us here tonight. There are times here on this earth, sometimes here at church, sometimes at home, when heaven comes down and glory fills our soul. But there's going to come a day we're going to go up. It'll be a glorious time of corporate worship. So what about this new Jerusalem? We've got a few minutes left here. I want to tell you, it's beyond anything Words, words can describe. Try as hard as you may. You simply can't be adequate in your adjectives or any words you might use to describe that place. First of all, this new Jerusalem is the home of God among his people. Think about that. It's the home of God among his people.
Those of us who have never seen the one we've loved all these many years, one day we will see him face to face. And we're going to behold his glory. Revelation 21 verse 3 says this. John says, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. They shall be his people, and God himself will be their God. Folks, don't miss that. There's never been a time like that on this earth. But that day is coming. Look at verse 4, Revelation 22. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads, shall be with them, and their God. It is the home of God among his people. Another thing about this new Jerusalem. There will be no more death there. There will be no more sorrow there. There will be no crying there. There will be no pain there. There will be no hospitals there. Amen? Anything that causes sadness in this life, here on earth, is going to be gone. And this new Jerusalem is going to be a place of eternal, unimaginable joy that nothing will ever cloud our days again. Glory to God. Revelation 21.4 And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. Revelation 21, 26 and 27. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nation into it. And there shall be in no wise into it anything that defiles, neither whatsoever that worketh abomination or makes a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. You remember the time when Jesus sent out the 70 to preach the gospel? And man, what they saw. Man, they saw people being healed and all these things going on. They came back so excited. And they were telling Jesus about what happened. And Jesus said, don't rejoice over that. Rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Well, that's it. We're going to see him face to face. There'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, nothing evil in that place. Another thing about this new Jerusalem, it is the eternal home for all who have trusted Christ, no matter what it may have cost them. All the blessings of heaven for all who shows Christ as their Savior. And they are going to be called the children of God. And by the way, it's still happening across our world. It's been through since Christ came. There are people who have literally given their lives for Christ. But I want to tell you, it doesn't matter who they are, where they are, these blessings are for them and for all who love Christ. Revelation 21, verse 7. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God. And he shall be my son. The new Jerusalem. 
Not only that, the new Jerusalem is filled with the glory of God. And it gleams like a bunch of precious jewels. Revelation 21, 11. Having the glory of God for her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. How many know whatever we imagine heaven is like, it's nothing but the best. Nothing but the finest. Nothing but the most precious that God has prepared for His people for our inheritance. Amen. According to Scripture, this new Jerusalem, it's in the shape of a perfect cube. And it symbolizes perfection and completeness. Revelation 21, verse 15 and 16. He that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city. And the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. He measured the city with a reed, twelve thousand furlongs. The length, the breadth, and the height are equal. Now don't ask me to explain that, I can't. It's exactly what the Bible says about this new Jerusalem. But also know there will be no temple there. Why? Because God and the Lamb of God are going to be the temple in that new city. Revelation 21, verse 22. John said, I saw no temple therein. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb were the temple of it. Now let me just camp here just for a second tonight. How many know that John had been to the, to the old Jerusalem? And how many know that probably... Uh, well, most of the time that John went, to he went to the temple. He expected to go to the temple. That's where you met with God. But John says, I looked around this new Jerusalem. And there wasn't any temple there. And John realized, we don't need it anymore. Why? Because God is there. And the Lamb is there. And they are that temple. Praise God. But also understand one of the main foundational aspects of daily life in heaven is going to be worship. And we kid around a lot about what we're going to do. We're going to go talk to Paul or, or when I get there, I'll straighten Jason out on his eschatology. We kid about stuff like that. My friend, when we get there, we're going to worship God. We're going to worship Him. We're going to realize for the first time how worthy God is. How worthy the Lamb is. Revelation 22 verse 3. And there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And His servants shall serve Him. Now the Greek word for serve there means to serve in worship. How many know that everything we ought to do ought to be to serve God? And it means to serve Him in worship. So worshiping God is going to be very foundational every day in this new heaven, in this new Jerusalem. 
But also, John tells us, or the Bible says in Revelation, we don't need the sun or the moon. Revelation 21, 23. And the city, John said, had no need of the sun, neither the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Think about that. Revelation 21, 25. And the gates of it shall not be shut at day, at all by day. Why? Because there is no night there. Revelation 22, verse 5. And there shall be no night there. They need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign, how long? Forever and ever. The glory of God is going to light that city. There will never be any darkness. And I realize that sometimes people say, well, that's, that's symbolic for sin. Well, that, that, that'll apply there. But there'll be no darkness Symbolic or otherwise. <laughs> because the people there, the people of God, are going to constantly experience the glory of God. Folks, don't miss that. Now, I can't imagine what that's going to be like. In Revelation chapter 1, I don't have the verse in our notes tonight, <clears throat> but John the Revelator is recording what happened to him. And when he turned around and he saw the glory of Christ, John said, I fell to his feet as dead. We just can't imagine what it's like to see the glory of God in its essence like that. It's going to be a day, a glorious day. There'll be no need for the sun, no need for the moon. We will constantly experience God's glory for eternity. But also... The Bible says this river, I mean this city, has a river of life that makes its way. And there are trees uh, growing there, with many trees of life growing there. And these trees continually give refreshment and meet every need of the people in that city. Revelation 22, look at the first two verses. And he showed me a pure river. Of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river, there was the tree of life, which bare, notice this, twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. There's more we need to speak about, Lord willing, next week about this new Jerusalem. But I want to leave you tonight with this thought. It'll be better than you can imagine. And the problem is, even as Christians today, we see this world as it is. We see it physically decaying. We see it spiritually infected with sin. And we know that's true. 
And if you're like me, there's times it, it wearies us to see it. But my friend, we don't need to be pessimistic. We've got a better day coming. It's like the old song said, what a day that is going to be. We have a hope beyond this world. A hope that is sure and real. A hope that will never fade away. A hope of future glory. And so we look forward to a new heaven and a new earth. We look forward to that new heaven and new earth that God has promised. And we long and we wait for God's new order. And Paul even said in Romans 8, the whole creation is groaning for that. And we long for a world that's free of sin. We are longing for a world that's free of sickness. We long for a world that is free of evil. But until then, that day is coming, we need to go with Christ into this world. And offer them hope for healing through the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's stand together. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for your word. And Lord, I realize that we cannot do justice if we describe this new heaven, this new earth, and even the new Jerusalem. But we're so glad for the promise that Jesus said that if he went away, he'd prepare a place. He'd come again and receive us to yourself. Thank you, Lord, for that promise. I pray, Lord, you would encourage our hearts to walk daily with you, even though sometimes what we see in this world may drag us down. We have a hope that's sure, a hope of eternity with God. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' precious name, amen.